Welcome to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller back. We're going to continue our series on intuition. What is it? How do we connect with it? Two podcasts back, we talked about the voice, played that incredible thing from David Gibbs on hearing the voice that steers us out of trouble. I heard a similar story. It's been one of my favorites on this topic of two couples that were conjoining, coming together at JFK Airport to fly to Europe for a vacation. When they went to the boarding gate, one of the two ladies, one of the two wives said, I am not getting on that plane. And she had an intuitive voice. She heard the voice. She and her husband stayed back. The other couple left, went on, figured they'd meet up later. And, of course, they never made it. That was the crash of TWA Flight 800, 747 that crashed into the Atlantic back in 1996. So as we start to pick apart intuition, let's just think about, first of all, what is that voice? I mean, do we even have one? Or is this all just a bunch of made-up, woo-woo, new-age stuff? (laughs) This is going to possibly get a little heady now, so stay with me on this, okay? I'm going to call the genesis point on this that we are an eternal soul. I think if you didn't believe that, if that did not resonate, then basically you feel like we die, maybe we go to, I don't know, whatever. But if we're not eternal, if we're not in this evolutionary plan as an eternal soul, then maybe we're just not at the same starting place because from there, to me, it just becomes voices in the head or, I don't know, maybe random luck. We've mentioned this so many times, but the audiobook that I narrated for Fred Dodson called Lives of the Soul clearly establishes that we are an eternal being, we are a soul, and we craft this existence. We choose it. We put it together. And then we execute it or not. And that's all explained in the book. So our starting place is that we are a soul with a plan. In other words, we choose our parents. We choose our environment, our gender, our race, our location, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we come down to experience life on earth, whether that's an easy life or a difficult life. But we have all kinds of choices within the latitude of that. And we come to learn lessons. Now, that may sound kind of crazy at first, but if you, again, get lives of the soul and at least give that a chance to formulate some new opinions. We're going to talk about beliefs here at the end of this, and I don't know if we'll get finished with this. This might have to be a two-parter, but I wanted we'll just go as far as we can here, and then if we have to, we'll reset. Because I do want to talk about our belief system within the context of this, because I think that also contributes here. But as I've done all this work with Fred, analyzed all this stuff and the work that I've done for myself, it does definitely help me make a lot more sense out of the craziness. And then for the rest, I think we all have to just admit that we can't figure it all out. So we have to trust. That's where faith comes into the picture. And as we do look at the bigger macro picture, I mean, I would think that the easiest faith would be that there's a lot more going on that we don't know and where we don't know just to be okay with it. Now, here's the other one that's going to shake the structure a little bit. This really revived from the healing convergence, but we've been talking about I am, our very God nature. 
You know, if you want to incorporate the Bible in this, if you go all the way back to Genesis, it says we are created in the image of God. Well, that doesn't mean that we look like God if we look in a mirror, <laughs> right? I mean, come on now. I mean, it says it looks in the image. Well, no, that's not the image of God. I say, I don't know what God looks like, but it doesn't look like that at six o'clock in the morning. So what is the image of God? Well, let's look at the attributes. Most cultures attribute God as a creative being, so creator is there. Also, I think most cultures have dualities with deity. So, in other words, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in Christianity. Hinduism, also two separate realities. And then, of course, separate male-female gods and goddesses ruling over that. Shakti and Brahman, for example. And duality shows up in other religions as well. And that's what I'd like to key in on here, because if we are part of God, made in God's image, made in God's likeness, then it seems that we have creative abilities that never went away. We also have this dual nature, so we're able to connect with both sides. We can be fully human, and we obviously have this divinity within us that is often untapped. Religion puts the deity outside of us. The beautiful words, I am, makes it part of us, our very nature. You look at what Jesus displayed, fully God, fully human. What's the message? Be like Christ. Be like Jesus. Less of the human side and more of the God side. But from the time we really take our first breath and get our first slap, (laughs) welcome to earth, pow, cry. (laughs) It's like you'll be doing it for the next 80 years if you're lucky. And from that moment on, we are programmed to only live from our human reality. I mean, we go to school when we're, what, five or six, and we start being graded and scored based on our ability to regurgitate information, purely the physical human side of us, nothing at all about the creative God side. In fact, most of the world's education systems have pushed God straight out the door. So right there, we already have some reprogramming to do in order to get in touch with this whole other side of us that our parents, our school systems, our culture, our friends, life itself, going through our 20s, college, all those years, all of that has deprogrammed us, pushed us away from this I am. And for those who do try to reconnect with it, they go to church. And what happens there? They get a whole different set of programming. I'm going through some stuff with my family right now that is revisiting some of those old wounds, in fact. And just as this is being recorded, the Chiron is turning retrograde. No wonder I'm revisiting, re-retrograde, revisiting, reanalyzing some old wounds. My Chiron, my unhealed wounds, right there in the lap of the whole thing. Religion, spirituality, family. So this whole thing about connecting with intuition is about connecting with both sides of our duality. I think we begin by thinking that we're connecting with something out there, and that's okay. That's a good perspective for us to get started. I think the morph is that we realize that this stuff is in us and it can just come out when needed or asked or invited. I mean, think about it. When we're born, did we just get dropped off on the side of the road to figure this place out? I think there are so many examples of people who have had experiences 
that you can't negate the whole process and just say, well, because it hasn't happened to me, that all these other examples, just pure coincidental. I would not make that bet. But there are so many people that don't tie into this that you would have to ask the logical question, is this voice only available for a few? Or is it widely available to everyone? Well, let's think of an example here. Maybe this would help. Some people early in life can pick up a musical instrument and within no time at all as a child can make it sound beautiful. And then they continue to learn and grow and often many of them become professional musicians. Others pick up a musical instrument and cannot make heads or tails of it, so they take lessons, and they keep after the lessons, they enjoy it, and they become very, very good, and they may even pursue a professional career in music. Then there are people like me. (laughs) Couldn't do anything with it before, can't do anything with it now. I can't hear it in my ear, I can't tune my voice to it, and I certainly can't pick anything up and play it. Well, I think working with this intuitive development, working with the voice, is the same way. That either you're going to have it naturally, and you just kind of lean into it, it's there. Often we call those people maybe even psychic. Seems like they just have a hotline, a red phone line to the home office, and it's always there when they need it. And they've had it since they were a child. Others study, learn. This would be my path. I didn't realize I had it, even though now as I look at my astrology, oh my gosh, I was born with it. But I didn't do anything to develop it. It was there, but I was taught through a system that told me that that, well, they didn't even teach about it. If they had of, my whole life would have turned out differently. But I developed it. Then I hear so many people say, well, yeah, I tried to look into that, but it's just not there for me. And they drop it. Well, that's like me and the guitar. Or the piano. I tried, but it just didn't stick. And that's sad. That's really sad because here is this beautiful music that could accompany you. And yet if you don't develop it, it won't be there. So presuming that it's not just naturally bubbling up from you, where are some starting places? Well, one, ask for it. But in asking, don't focus on what isn't there or you'll just draw more of what isn't there. Oh, I'm asking for it, but I don't have it. I still don't have it. Yeah, well, you're still not going to get it. You have to ask as though it's already a done deal. You have to ask and then you have to practice and you have to anticipate. We're going to talk here in just a second of some ways of unlocking this. But if you're serious about pursuing this and you have not had intuitive guidance experiences in your life, Start by asking for it. All right, so let's say you ask. Then how are you going to know when it shows up? Well, let's take a look at some of the ways that the voice might appear in our lives. And this is not all of them, but it might be a few. And one that I would say is that we often overlook in this area is just synchronicities. Things in life that work out, we don't hear a voice. We don't hear some thunderous voice that says, ah, you need to go this way or that. But boy, five different things click into place over a two-week period, and we're on our way in a different direction. Well, that was the voice just working itself through circumstances. I mean, you didn't do a thing. You bumped into an old friend. They introduced you to somebody else who had this thing going, and all of a sudden, you're packing a moving van and hauling across the country. 
and it just feels right. Everything clicked into place so beautifully. So synchronicities, just the alignment of various things that cause us to make certain decisions, and as we follow our heart and follow the right path, things work out. This is where I say I love astrology because to me it is the Google map of the soul. So when the synchronicities come up, you already know from the map what direction you need to lean in. That's why I think it's important to learn it and to be able to read it for yourself. Make a shameless plug for the Fun Astrology 101 course. Great way to do it. Where do you find it? Funastrology.com. Now, another way that I think it shows up are obviously like the story of the TWA lady. Feelings. Hunches. I don't know the details of that story to know how she felt it, but just to know that she felt it. Taking a certain way back to your car in a dark parking lot, maybe you get the EBGBs and you decide to go another way and you might have avoided danger. You meet a person, maybe in a business deal or a potential relationship. You just get an uneasy feeling. That's the voice. Maybe you just decide not to pursue whatever that encounter was about and you don't know what didn't happen. Or Malcolm Gladwell's blink That very first impression, I love the blink. I always try to isolate what was my very first implication. How did I feel? What did I think? What was in my body? The very first impression always is the blink. Now, this one is going to need its own podcast, so I'm just going to mention it here, but internal dialogue. This one has been one of the bigger ones for me of how this shows up, especially at the beginning. But I know the big question is, well, how do I know when it's the voice versus my monkey mind? I think we'll make that the topic of the next episode in this series. But it's the internal, intuitive, soft voice whisper prompts. Email Fred Dodson about narrating his audiobooks. And see, one of the things I think about how to identify that versus something else is that it will hit you out of context with what you're doing at the time. Like in my situation, filling up water bottles to go on a bicycle ride. Voice very clearly inside says, email Fred Dodson about narrating his audiobook. That's an intuitive prompt. I know we all have highly developed monkey mind brains, but, you know, that kind of thing is probably out of the scope of stretch of, you know, chatter. Oh, by the way, email Fred Dodson about narrating his audiobook. Yeah, that's a little bit out there. That's when I would say, ah, this is something I need to pay attention to. We'll talk more about that, though, in detail. All right, another one, muscle testing. Maybe I should combine that in with that internal dialogue because I use muscle testing to confirm the internal dialogue. Several techniques on that. Let's talk about those down the road. I've got a lot more I want to cover here. Another one would be oracles, some form of divination. You might use tarot cards. You might use one of the angel decks. Somebody the other day was reminding me of runes, pendulums. I've been using the Lenora Man deck. I love that deck. So there are a number of different ways that you can use divination to point you in the right direction. It's just like muscle testing. It's using the kinetics of your body to answer a question. So the idea is that if something is false, your body tenses up. If something is true, your body relaxes. So a pendulum basically ties into that same energy. Same way muscle testing would determine whether your muscles are tight or loose at a particular point. 
See, we have all this amazing stuff inside of us. It's just unlocking it. That's the key. And all of these ways are individual. And that actually leads me to the next one. I wrote this down. I don't talk about it a lot, but I do think it fits the context here. And it is for some people. And that would be plant-based psychedelics. Now, let's explore this because this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time in our culture now in 2022 as this is being recorded. Too big to ignore, but obviously the label gets slapped on it right away. Oh, that's just using drugs. Well, I'm living now about 30 minutes from the village of or the little town of Cherokee, North Carolina, and I met a a beautiful, wonderful couple. He was a game warden, but I met them watching the sunset up there at the top of the mountain the other night. And just had the most wonderful conversation about Cherokee traditions and things that he had learned from his father and grandfather. And his great-great-great-grandfather hid in the mountains during the Trail of Tears. Well, the Native Americans used plant-based substances to open their senses to the spiritual world. In fact, if you go to the Indian village there in Cherokee, they have a sweat lodge where often these ceremonies would take place. They still do them today, but they are highly structured. Those who are trained in the use and the process are in control of the meeting. It is regimented, it is supervised, and it is done with intention, often in community, not just individually. That's generally not how psychedelics are used in our culture and indeed, in the way that they are used, becomes a drug. And that, to me, is the line that breeds danger with this use. And there's one other thing I'll address here in a second. So, again, something in our culture that can be a beautiful tool often gets misused, abused. Then it becomes a crutch, a habit, and actually goes to work against the very thing we're trying to create. However, if used properly... So many people report a tremendous spiritual awakening. I had a friend tell me the other day, and this person has basically no spiritual background at all, no church, no spiritual family, no religion, none of that, but has been very open and interested in exploring all of this, did plant-based psychedelics and said that it opened this person up to an incredible realm of spiritual connection almost instantly. And you listen to what how Ram Das, Richard Alpert, the Harvard professor doing the research project on psychedelics, got expelled from the institution for using them, went to India and became Ram Das, said that it was responsible for his spiritual path. But see if you listen to any of those people talk about their experience, they went around getting high all the time. It became a drug. And in our culture, which goes all the way back to the 60s, we have this propensity for escapism, also for overindulgence, for shortcuts, hacks, drive-throughs. And as a society, as a culture today, we don't mind addictions. Oh, I have to have my coffee. Like, I can't function in the world until I've had some caffeine. Then we have to have our wine in the evening to wind down from the wired-up day. (laughs) Okay. It's our culture, and everybody does it. So these are some of my concerns. The other thing is, I just prefer for myself, now more than ever, 
the natural way. And that's become a part of how I choose to take care of my health, but it is also my spiritual path as well. I've watched and learned from Fred Dodson for almost a decade now, and he agrees with this same perspective. And Fred has done so much to instill this internal connection that you don't need the external. That's what I'm trying to do here is just make all these things available that have helped change my own life and bring this incredible connection on the inside that's just there when I need it. And then when it's not, I don't have to worry about turning it on or off. So let's talk about kind of extruding that point then. What else can block our connection with the voice? And the first one I would say there is simply being more in your head than in your heart. Those of you who are highly analytical by nature, this one's more difficult. Every piece of stimuli goes straight to that steel trap brain that you have that's always on and always active as long as you're awake. The voice comes from the heart, not from the head. We have to get quiet enough to be able to hear it. Another one is, I think, external or internal noise. Our culture and society today is just so noisy. Most people can't relax unless they have some kind of earbud in, creating noise straight into their ear canals. We can't eat now without going to a restaurant, which is pure noise, accompanied with frequent interruptions. No wonder you can't stay on some train of thought. you got a five, six, seven-minute attention span at the most. And I mean, people just don't fix food at home anymore at all, in the serenity and the quiet of the togetherness of their family. Or if you're single like me, alone and quiet, it's when the messages come. Another one I would throw down here is fear, because many of us, left to our own, make the wrong choices. So if we heard the voice, we might have to change some stuff. What if I'm in the wrong job? What if I'm in the wrong town? What if I'm with the wrong person, etc.? Fear, fear of change. Don't ask, don't tell, I don't want to know. I'm just going to stay right where I am. I'm not on my path, but I'm comfortable. Or, I'm scared of the change. And then the other one we mentioned, addictions and substances. Episode 247 was my interview with my buddy Hemet from Aspen. We talked about this at length in that episode. You know, you can get your buzz elsewhere, and when you do, it's a lot better. Now, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about beliefs because I think that's another one that affects our ability to find and hear and use the voice. In other words, it is a conflicting belief about maybe perhaps the whole process. I've talked a lot about beliefs in various episodes of this podcast, so I'll again refer you back to those. If you just search subconscious mind mastery beliefs, I think you'll get a quite a few episodes. But Beliefs are interesting because we create them. Therefore, we own them. It's almost as if we created this incredibly, beautifully gorgeous piece of art or we composed a beautiful piece of music. We own it. That's mine. And don't touch it. Well, we go through great lengths to create our beliefs. They're always based on experiences or observations So, for me to change a belief that I created in the past, I have to either disavow the experience or I have to make that change of how I'm processing what I've come to know in my life. So, truly analyzing 
and changing beliefs can be quite a challenging task. The other thing about beliefs right now is that the world is so divided that certainly in the United States, probably in many other countries, things are split almost right down the middle. So if you believe A, half of the people you know believe B. And by believing A, you are probably also getting a lot more tired of the people who believe B and try to cram B down your throat as if it's the only answer. It's what's going on in our world right now. So my thoughts about beliefs in general are, number one, always be willing to reevaluate your beliefs. I've done that for the last 12 years. That was how I did what I did of tearing my life apart and rebuilding it at age 50, changing everything. How? By reexamining everything I had believed. What serves me? What doesn't serve me? What have I believed that just simply doesn't hold up? Was this belief mine or was it somebody else's belief that I adopted? How has the culture or society moved toward or away from this belief and should I change it? So now today I'm always reevaluating my beliefs. That conversation about the psychedelics was one that before I had a very closed belief system. Well, you look around, you see that people are using them effectively. You see that there is a positive outcome that can come from it. I'm always measuring, too, is this moving toward the light or is this moving toward the dark? If it's moving toward the light and it'll get people there, and maybe they're never going to just do the natural route, well, I reevaluated my belief system around that. I won't ever use them for several personal reasons, but no sense in holding on to an old belief that might not serve anymore. So with your beliefs, I think right now, don't try to be right with them in this culture. It's too divided. And one thing you can be certain of is that the unconscious won't budge at all. You want to see who's unconscious in your life? Put a controversial post up on Facebook. You'll find out really fast. The unconscious will react to it. Truly conscious people are very comfortable with their beliefs because they have probably recently reevaluated them or are always morphing around through them. They don't hold them as prized possessions. And when they see disagreement, they realize that it's a dead-end road to nowhere. But beliefs are energy. Absolutely, beliefs are energy. So make sure that yours are positive. Keep your energy high at all times. If you know what you believe, stay there. Pray for the culture. But realize it's not your job to change everybody's mind. And by staying in that neutral place, it opens you up to more of being able to hear the voice. When you're not so screwed down to your beliefs that if the voice said something different from what you believed, see, the voice would say, I'm not going to bother. I'll never get through anyway. Every time I've tried to bring it up, they just slam the phone down. They've got it all figured out. Those darn humans. (laughs) But when the voice knows it can drop something on you and you're not going to hold on to some old paradigm, then really watch the downloads start to come flowing in. You're open then to receive. I hope this has helped. We got it all done in one, a little bit longer than I like to go, but at least we didn't have to break it into two parts. Hope this has been helpful. We'll continue the series on intuition Between the voice and this, I hope that you'll start practicing tuning in. 
Susie, it's time for your piano lessons. <laughs> Don't leave the music unplayed. I wish you the absolute very best on this journey. It is the only way to go. I'm Thomas Miller. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the journey. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.